This is Brett Hall, and you're listening in to the Encouragers Podcast. On this computer. Ah, there you go. I got some, I don't know if you can see it. Oh, it's kombucha. Kombucha. It's some a synergy. mango flare. Yeah. Synergy. Kombucha from Synergy. It's pretty good stuff, man. I just d- discovered kombucha, bro. Didn't know the health benefits before. But the first thing you should warn people is when you when you drink it for the first time, don't expect it to be, be really strawberry guava. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like strawberry vinegar. <laughs> More like it. It's yeah, an acquired taste. Dude, before um I've had kombucha before um twenty twenty before the COVID pandemic. Yeah. But then after uh, when I caught that mug, I started um uh, I, I don't know, I lost my sense of smell and taste a little bit. And I still can't um kind of smell, but the taste of kombucha used to taste super nasty. But now is like, your taste I, still off? Yeah, bro. It's my smell is still off. My taste is not fully there because of my the smell part of my life <laughs> but uh yeah now now i just uh it tastes like soda to me yeah now it tastes like a regular soda you know i stopped drinking soda for about what since 2020 no about 20 about three years now no wait 2019 2019 20 21 it's However a good, it's a good way is. to live your life, man. Don't drink your calories. Yeah, soda is t- super terrible for you guys, man. But, um, dude, it's been a while, bro. It's been a hot minute since we uh, linked up. Since uh, yeah. Ofa, Ofa Camp. Right, so we got we got that fire episode still to release in, uh, in, in the editing process. Yeah, it's almost finished. Almost finished. Man, it... I didn't think it would be this difficult time around uh, to edit it, but for some reason, the, all the the size of those files—that's why. <laughs> yeah, size of the files are huge, man. Tell people why though, because we we filmed it on our phones uh, in, instead of Zoom, and we filmed yeah. it in what were the settings? 4K, 4K 60p, some okay, 60 frames per second. Yeah. yeah. So we filmed it on that. So there's some huge files. Next time, dude. Well, nah. Next, we did it good because now when I um when I push in when I crop in it doesn't uh, we don't lose quality in the video. So it's good that we did that. But man, the file size on those on the the phone vid- footage is huge, bro. Yeah, thirty minutes is like thirty gig. It's like uh just to give you an idea if you're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. It took a minute to get all the, the footage, but um, we have all of it now and just in the process of editing it. But we had a trip awesome. to update everybody. It's been a minute. What um, I think we what we had last episode was a 47. This would be the one we're recording right now on Friday evening, um, June 30th, the last day of the month. Um, this is episode 48, if we're going to keep it chronological. And then we'll um, maybe we can release that one episode fifty for our fiftieth episode <laughs> or something. But um, 
we were down in Utah for a minute. When was that? Beginning of May? Yeah. Yeah. Beginning of May. May like first week of May. First week of May, we went down there to support uh Coach Kofi and his yeah. uh, awful camp. But yeah, uh, we that all was came awesome. Out. Yeah, it was super dope, man. Super dope to see Coach doing his uh being his element, you know. Maybe we can include uh like a little clip of the drone footage that you took in our in that episode release when we do it on YouTube. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll put all that stuff in there. Put all maybe in this uh even in this we'll you know throw some clips in here, but or in the teaser clip. Yeah, in the teaser clip. But yeah, man, we had a good time over there. It's it's been since that long since we had a podcast, man. We've just been trying to recover ever since. Right. <laughs> Not that we did anything crazy, but just Man, just life gets in the way, you know. You've been traveling too. Been traveling, um, and just life happens, man. Which is part of our experience here, just having this experience right. of life. How right. you been, Jake? Man, we we almost had it. We almost had an incident over there. Well, we kind of did, right? I don't know if you want to talk, but we don't have to talk about it. Did we talk <laughs> about it a little bit in the in that episode with Coach and them and Aussie? I think we did. Oh, okay. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. So we can tease it. Yeah. Tease it out. Yeah. Passed out on the plane. I'll just tell people. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I passed out on the plane. My blood pressure dropped too low. And so I passed out for about a minute, apparently, or mm-hmm. something happened. I w- went away for about a minute and uh, came back to and uh, my blood pressure top- stopped too low. But I think it was more like a uh, user error with... um just some timing and not enough sleep and exercising too much the day prior and um, getting up at the crack of dawn at 4am and leaving. So I think it was a combination of things because no ill side effects ever since. So oh, good. healthy, healthy, uh, healthy and strong since then. So able to exercise every day. I have been implementing since I got back, since I kind of got back mm-hmm. and recovered from the jet lag, I've been doing the zone two cardio four times a week for an hour um or attempting to get into zone two i i purchased uh there there's a really awesome exercise tracker if you listen to joe rogan it's called whoop Mm w-h-o-o-p and it kind of it it can really really uh narrow down like the different so when we say zone it's kind of measuring measuring like what percent of your max heart rate are you exercising at and can you keep it constant so we talk about Dr. Peter Atia and Andrew Huberman quite a bit on the podcast. Those two kind of narrowed down what science backs longevity of health, right? So, mm. and they were walking through um, the two main things that can re- reduce all cause mortality. There's one is exercising in mm-hmm. in zone five of your um, of 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 your so zone five would be kind of the top end of your heart rate range. Four minutes on, four minutes rest, a set of four, and do that once a week, maybe twice. So that reduces all-cause mortality by 500%. What? So do you just think about, yeah, so your your chance of all-cause mortality is reduced by 500% by doing that once a week because it's your VO2 max that you're working on. So it's like the max, so you're essentially exercising your heart at close to the max range that can handle and um anyways if i'm butchering some of the details go to um dr peter atia and andrew huberman as they discuss and especially peter atia he's the one that kind of dives into 
just he's been on the Joe Rogan's podcast. He's gotten together with Andrew Huberman. So anyways, do that once a week. The way I do it is the way he suggested where I do it on the Stairmaster and it kind of like saves my body a little bit. So I go as hard as I can for four minutes, right? So whatever pace I can keep constant for four minutes and I rest four minutes. And then Mm -hmm. I do another one at four minutes, rest four minutes, and it's a set of four. So one set is four minute exercise and rest, four minute rest, right? So that's one repetition. Mm -hmm. So do that once a week. And so I've been uh, been doing that for a month. I I can tell you, I feel the difference from one month already from that. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that reduces all cause mortality is the the zone, um, the uh you know we're gonna have to go to that episode to 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 uh to to be accurate but i can't remember i think it's the weightlifting um and um weightlifting four times a week in two of those sessions i'm doing something to boost my testosterone naturally which is uh it is really really pushing um it, it's so the way that you want to do is you want to choose a body exercise let's just say squats right you want to mm-hmm. do a body exercise that you can hey brett coming on <laughs> uh, what's up my brother brett he's coming in brett brett what's brett up? with the beard game strong what's going on guys how you guys doing what's up, what's what's up, up? brother it's good not much what's man good to see you crashing for the night after a long hard day yeah, yeah. We're just yeah. talking about uh exercising and Jake uh conquering the world and the fitness arena right now. We're talking about V two. <laughs> what what was it? The different zones, Jake. So we're Brett. We're talking about uh what Andrew Huberman and Dr. Peter Attia were talking about some health things um to reduce all cause mortality. So to help you live longer, and there's two main things that that the three main things really that you can do to help reduce it a ton. One is weightlifting about four times a week, and you can get into the specifics for longevity too, where there's certain rep ranges that are really good. The one I'm focusing on is two times a week. I push it where uh, you're doing a huge, pretty big reduction reduction in um, in rest time. So you rest two minutes between sets, and you pick an exercise that's full body, like squats or deadlift or bench or whatever, right? but you do 10 sets of 10 and with the lower rest time. So, cause I, cause I found like normally when I rest, I rest three to four minutes. I've lifted a lot of years, right? Mm-hmm. The two, two minute rest is brutal. And what it does is it induces some pretty crazy lactic acid. That's really what you're going to experience. But the side effect of that for men is you're going to have a crazy boost in testosterone, right? Mm-hmm. So with me getting in my forties, I'm kind of focused on naturally boosting that, as best possible because it can help in the long run with recovery and longevity and make me feel better and all those things. So you do one set of 10, but you want only one or two reps in reserve each time you do a set, right? So you do a set of 10 that you might've only gotten 11 or 12. Okay. Rest two minutes and you won't be able to do the same weight again. So you got to reduce the weight. And if you have a spotter, you can reduce on the fly. So you literally can pull off weights as you fail, right? So you could fail at six, reduce the weight, get your four of the reps in, right? And then rest mm-hmm. your two minutes. I try and gauge it so that I don't have to take any break. Um, I'm pretty good at gauging it. So I'll reduce the weight incrementally down. You know, sometimes it's 10 pounds, sometimes it's 20 pounds. And so I'm still struggling to get that 10. 
and then hit that two minute rest. And it's the two minute rest. That's the most brutal. By the time you get down to some like baby weights, it's, it, it is really, really brutal. The first couple of weeks that I did it, I couldn't walk for six days, which isn't <laughs> ideal, right? Cause you want to be able, that's not like a good measurement of, you want to be able to exercise. You want you don't want to be so, so sore that you can't do that, but I wanted to get this program in. And so actually I'm got out of it. And so I'm able to do it now. I'm at, I'm, I'm at the end of my first month of implementing this type of program. And then I do lift two other days too. So I lift four days a week. I do some major lifts. So on, on one of the days I do squats and, and bench on the other day, I do deadlifts and shoulder press. And those are my two and then the other days I do other things like pull-ups and biceps and triceps. And, you know, I do kind of like full body exercise, um, in the other days. So lifting weights reduces all reduces all cause mortality by 300%. Right. And then the zone five cardio that we were talking about reduces your all cause mortality by 500%. What is that zone five thing you're talking about? What is that? Just so, a... so, so zone five, zone two, zone five, all those things you're talking about is it, it's the percent towards your maximum heart rate that you're exercising. So mm -hmm. let's just say your heart, you know, that max you can get your heart beating is, is 190, right? So like 180 is going to be that zone five. And so there is, you know, you can dive into the explanations, but there's mm. different things. So zone five is key towards your VO2 max, right? Which is how hard you can push your heart without hurting yourself. And when you push that range within reason, it's very, very important for health. Then the second thing you could do for fat burn was that zone two, which we were talking about where if you get in a zone two cardio where you're, um, it's a certain for zone two is a certain percentage of your heart rate. So the way to kind of gauge it, if you don't have a measurement is, can you still talk and not be out of breath? Can you breathe normally? Cause the moment mm -hmm. you start to not breathe normally is when you're you're going into zone three zone two is really, really key because you're not getting any buildup of lactic acid. You're kind of tricking your body. Your body's going to go into a really good fat burn and continue burning fat. Um, and so that's what that one is. You know, there's a, a lot of other benefits of that too, but for people like, you know, that can be a brisk walk or a really, really slow jog, depending on where your health is at. Um, for mm. David Goggins, he's probably running seven minute miles in zone two, but, um, you sure he's you know, not it, uh, <laughs> zone 10 or something. Right? Right. Well, the, well, again, the zone two would be like, he can perform at a high level with his heart rate being very relaxed. Oh, right. So that, so that's the zone two is being in a relaxed state. And then the, um, you know, you can start out ideally once you're in shape, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Atia recommends an hour to an hour and a half of that four times a week. Mm. So you've got the weightlifting three to four times a week. You've got the zone four cardio four times a week. Um, for an, you know, ideally an hour to an hour and a half, but you can work your way from 30 minutes on up. Right. So it depends on where you're at with your, you know, set a goal, start there. Anything that you do that's better than you did before is going to be an improvement. But once you're in shape, that's kind of where you want to be at. And then the one zone five per week, which would be equating like in your head sprinting for four minutes at a time. That's kind of the thing being on a, being on a treadmill for four minutes as fast as you can go and then stopping for four minutes and then, you know, going back and doing four minutes again, um, for me, I've just kind of found the easiest thing to do is the Stairmaster right now. That's what Peter Atia recommended because it's, you, you're not really like running, but man, your heart's racing kind of like at a slow pace on the Stairmaster and then maintaining it for four minutes and then resting four minutes and doing a set of four is pretty rough. Mm. <laughs>
So, and there's different ways to do it. You can do it on a bike. You, you know, there's, there's a whole, you can get creative with it, but I want to live as long as possible and feel as good as possible. And I'll say like, just from doing, I've lifted, you know, a lot of the last 15 years or so, but adding in the cardio and adding in the VO two max is mm -hmm. made me feel different in, in a good way. Good, man. That's good. Ooh, good for you. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. Again, folks. Um, yeah. We're not, um, health We're not experts, experts by, by no, you know what I'm saying? But consult your physician before you start v fiving and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, what was that? Jake, what was that? Um, program your VO2 Matt, yeah. Uh, so the, those zone, yeah, well, the zones are just, that's a known thing, but Dr. Peter Atia, ATTIA mm -hmm. and, and Andrew Huberman dive into the science behind it. Yeah. And I of course, like you said, yeah. you know, of course, always go to your doctor. If you're, you know, talk to your doctor about exercise if you're not cleared for exercise and what you can do and how you can work up to those programs. But I really like finding the science behind it for both mm. boosted testosterone for living longer and for feeling better. That's dude. I'd listened to a podcast today talked about testosterone and the decline. Blew my mind, bro. But uh before we go any further, man, Brett, I just want to go to for those of you listening, <laughs> I want to help you know introduce you to one of our brothers, my my brother, man, my brother Brett Hall from uh, Sparks, Nevada. Met him when I came back from my mish. There's this tall dude in my living room. Walked in one day, he was just sitting on the couch and he was grubbing, or he was in the kitchen grubbing. I was like, Who is this guy in my house? It was my brother Brett, Brett Hall, man. Brett, thank you for uh, taking the time to come on the come on our podcast, man. Welcome to the Encouragers Podcast, brother. Oh man, thanks for the invite, man. Sorry, I've uh, many times meant to get on here, but life always those curves at you, and those things pop up. But yeah, I'm glad I could be here. And, and right now you're in St. George, right? So you're about no. So I'm in so I'm in Las Vegas right now. I oh, you're Vegas today. Right? Yeah, I've been oh, okay. in Vegas since Monday, just working and just just kind of grinding away. It's, summertime you know for sales it's a busy time so just been yeah. good just uh it's been working i stayed at the guy i work with he lets me stay he has like a little room here lets me stay at when i'm in town so it works out oh nice man i'll, I'll go back to st george tomorrow afternoon or night whatever nice whatever happens yeah man jake yeah. when's the last time you seen brett dog when is the... <laughs> it's been a minute huh just uh, uh, we've been we've uh, yeah when was the last time I, I we were supposed to see you one time in Reno when I was out there and I think something uh, fell through yeah, yeah something was, fell was, through because I thought I was gonna see you there but yeah it's been it's been a minute yeah. Brad it's been too long man yeah I, I couldn't I was supposed to be at Moa's uh, wedding celebration I couldn't make it up just mm. I've, I've come to find out now that I have a lot of kids you just can't leave town that easy because <laughs> you have nah, to find bro. people find people to watch them and take care of them so yeah man. that's 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 been a new new phase of life for me to learn about but yeah that was all the last those kids time. in all those different states that you worked in man that you left behind <laughs> i know <laughs> that too girl, bro. girl on every port right right <laughs> that's what's up right you know as you, most of you who've been listening to our podcast you know you've been following us and you know that our our group our podcast consists of dudes and homeboys and brothers that we all grew up um going to school together college some of us went to college together some of us played ball together and then a lot of us met around the cobble circle um but brett he was um he was my friend from reno and he you met Jake and Ossie and um, 
tech and everybody else through pretty much school, right? The, like when we were going to school. Yeah. How, how old were you though? Notice when you met Brett, you met him, you met him first, right? You and tech met him. Yeah. So I was what? 20 something. 20. Well, you're just off your mission, man. Just off the mission, bro. Yeah. But I think we we didn't hang out till I think I showed up. I was I was on the football team at University of Nevada. Yeah. And I I uh, was going to church at that singles that university ward there. Mm-hmm. I think I showed up and I saw you sitting in the back. I think maybe with one your sister or maybe like I mean or somebody like that, and you saw me yeah. mm-hmm. and kind of your eyes lit up. You'd only met me once, and that was uh we met through mutually through Soma. Soma, yeah, Soma Helen, yeah. But that, but but then that was the first night. Like you introduced me to the Kava Circle and all that. <laughs> so that was all. That's all it all started right there. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And that was the what, first time. Uh, was it twenty years later? Was, Thirty years? Yeah, that was back in two thousand and one. Dang. So yeah. so that's twenty two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's two thousand one. I remember, man, like it was yesterday. So. Wow. <laughs> I wish it was sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Shoot. But yeah, but that's what that. And I met. Remember Jake, me and you down there. I was just flying back and forth to Sky Harbor just to go hang out on the weekends with those guys down in Phoenix, and that's why I met you, Jake. You're down there. We were, were down there for the. Was it the selling, party? Well, you were down there for selling and recruiting. Yeah, I think you were down there, and then I think we just we just kept crossing paths. I'd go down there, we'd meet the Kava mixes, and then hang out, and then we went to that concert together, that Fiji concert. Um, yeah, just oh, all was, those. What was that? So yeah, the first time I met you, we were mixing in AZ, and yeah. and then, but it, the thing that stood out was like the really nice suit that you had on that. Uh, uh, New, New Year's, yeah, my, my doctor's <laughs> yeah. my doctor's jacket. It was like a white suit, hey, right? You were like, like white white sports coat. Dude, I think yeah, I still look, have it. Look at sharp, still, man. I think I still have it hanging up somewhere, but uh, I haven't worn that thing for years. <laughs> I wanted to look good for New Year's, man. I was all excited, man. I thought it was gonna be like a real party. And oh, so that was, that was New Year's. That was New Year's. That was New Year's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we were just we were so. just cru- we were just cruising Mill Street. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah funny. it was 2006 something like that 2007 yeah yeah 2007 yeah. 2006 2007 whatever yeah yeah, yeah and then so we went in, we went and sold together a couple of years mm-hmm. too yeah I did that you know that was my my crash course into my career i'm still doing it today 16 years later wow man you outlasted <laughs> me by far i'm in sales but not that sales game <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean i've I've adapted to different ways to do it, but yeah, it's just you. You, you were the start, Jake. It was all with you, and Steph <laughs> Notice was in that group, so that's where it all the seed was planted. And I just never thought I'd do this for a living, but it's worked out really well. I'm grateful. Yeah, it's worked out. Yeah, you and Palu are the are the are still is Palu still in security? I can't remember if he is or not. I'm not I don't sure. know. I haven't, I haven't talked to him for a couple years. He's bounced in and out. Like I, I lured him back in, and then he left after he came back but i think he's doing it i just haven't talked to him for a couple of years but i'm sure he's still at it yeah that's why it's for- super impressive about you Brett, because this like for for anybody that's been out there and knocked doors before the mental toughness that it takes and the for, first of all the skill to be able to maneuver a conversation with somebody that you just met and then turn around and sell them um without getting into all the details, but get to know them really, really fast and then get them to commit to, you know, having a security system installed a lot of times that day. And then before you leave, have the installer show up, you know, it takes a certain set of skill and then to do it for this many years, man, super impressive. Uh, 
No, yeah, I still remember, still remember the Brian Tracy, uh, you know, psychology is selling. Yeah, I don't want to call it a trick, but the, what you taught me, and I remember using it that summer, and I remember I when I, I used it probably a handful of times, and I still remember the first time it worked, and the guy said, "Okay, I'll do it." I'm like, I was like blown away. Oh my gosh, it finally worked! But yeah, I remember <laughs> learning that from you, Jake, and so I don't use it obviously as much anymore. It's, it's a different type of sale, but I just. Those are good memories, man. I learned a lot about just hard work and pushing through. And so that's what I do like today. Like, you know, tomorrow's Bobby Bonilla day. Anyone who's our baseball fans that know that July 1st is the day that Bobby Bonilla gets a million and three, $1.3 million for the next, who knows how many years he hasn't played in 20 plus years because of some bad baseball deal. But anyways, June 30th is always a kind of a cool day for me because it was a day it's been seven years now that I was working for a company out in South Carolina and it was a good company, but I was kind of hit with the hard reality that the company was going to take away all my benefits because now they wanted every manager and office to be geared towards a goal, which is fine. That's a good thing. But I was very short staffed and they said, okay, well, if you don't hit this goal by the end of this week, then you're going to lose all every benefit that you have which was health insurance, vehicle, you know, a mm. stipend, salary, everything. And so I had a lot to lose. And so I remember I was like, I have just got to grind this week. There's no one to help me. I'm short stat, short. I only had a few reps and they weren't really working hard because it didn't really affect them. It, you know, whether we hit the goal or not, it was no matter of them. It was just when they wanted to work and was convenient and that's fine. So yeah. I was just driven and I remember it was June 30th and I got like, I took a picture of it and every time it pops up on Facebook this day, I always forward it on my Facebook, but it just, I remember getting the sale and it was number 50. And so what I needed as a, to keep everything. And I was with this other sales rep and we just pushed, push, push. And we had this nice single mom and she was okay to do it, but she had to take her Excuse daughter me? to choir <laughs> practice. Well, she's an older single mom. So, no, 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 I was married at the time. So, but anyway, she, she, she had her daughter about to take her to band practice, and it was going to start in 20 minutes, and she wasn't going to be back till eight o'clock at night. And my installer was not going to install anything past six. So, I pleaded with her, and I gave her probably one of the sweeter deals you could ever give somebody. And all the points, <laughs> and the tech technician showed up installed it and her daughter probably never made the band practice but she got installed and i hit my goal and i just remember how happy and relieved i was and excited and so today was a good day like so personally for june i didn't know how i was doing for the month i was doing pretty good and then mm. i text my admin today I was like hey where you know my wife keeps harassing me where am i at for the month he says she looked at it, i was like oh my gosh you just broke the office record. You're at 46 deals for the month. I'm like, 46 deals? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. I was like, man, what if I could hit 50 by myself? So I went out there today and I just pushed it and I got four deals. But hey. only got but only got one of them installed. <laughs> the other three are scheduled for tomorrow. So I fell short of my goal by by uh by three wow. 50, but still 47 in a month. I was like, so I just was reflecting back to the the day it was and there was kind of a motivation of why goals and pushing through and the reward that can come from hitting your goals and the hard work and so june 30th is always kind of like my my special day mm. every year right it reminds me of you know 
the fruits of my labor when I can have success and why I enjoy sales in general, not just so much the job of security and, but just the job I'm doing and the, the joy that I can get out of it kind of the, you know, other than just the monetary benefits. Where in South Carolina were you at that point? So I was living in a town called Somerville, which is like around Charleston. Yeah, Charleston. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so I was yeah. in Charleston, but I was just knocking around just my little, my little hood there, this little bubble I lived in and just worked every day and found a lot of success there. Love that place, man. One of the best places I've ever lived. Great people. So, yeah, you know, right by the beach, I, by the beach, man. Oh, man. Sad, man. I lived in Charleston for almost four years. I probably went to the beach like four times because I was so <laughs> driven about my career and work and other things. And yeah, I look back to it now. I was like, man, I really missed the boat. There's a lot of, a lot of fun things I should have rewarded myself with going to the beach. Hey, for, so, uh, for those of you who aren't unaware of what we're talking about, so a lot of us, so Jake, um, Brett here that's with us right now, myself, Tech, Coach, Coach didn't go with us, um, but a lot of a Joe that's on the podcast, Donga that's on our podcast. I see. I see that um, you'll hear his po- his his uh, his podcast. That came out with us. We were all doing summer sales. So if you guys ever your neighborhood and you see a bunch of dudes walking out around with clipboards and polos wearing shorts you probably ran into one <laughs> of us that's what we were doing right can you essentially guys yeah. break it down what were we doing and where did we go when we were doing summer sales where were we going man i remember i remember jake just take me into a jeep and driving to me some some place in minnesota i've never been to my life <laughs> i was excited and he's gonna train me I don't remember the name of the town, Hamilton, Miss. I don't know where it was, but I remember get out of his Jeep and I just said, all right, man, like I'm ready to learn, you know, train me. And Jake just looking at me like, well, I got an appointment I got to go to. Here's the clipboard. Here's the paperwork. It's pretty self-explanatory. Good luck. And he just drives off in his Jeep. And I'm just thinking, that's all of this, ready to drop off when I'm here by myself. I don't really know what I'm doing. I mean, I gave you some pitches. <laughs> I, I gave you my oh, yeah. A I yeah, gave you my A to Z beforehand. You probably, we were, you, you probably gave me a lot of stuff. I think I was just shell shocked when you drove off. And I was just was like, oh man, this is like just me. I'm not getting going to shout. So I didn't you, I remember you, you personally, that was probably the best thing that could have happened to you, right? Yeah, it was uh man, it was just one of those things where it's a lesson in life where sometimes you just gotta you gotta figure it out. And it doesn't mean you're gonna find success right away because I didn't that day. Within two hours, I was like, you know, cursing the skies, throwing my clipboard, like, man, what am I doing? And I, I called for help, and I found, I think it was actually was Joe T was not too far from me, and I think you two in stepped in the gazebo. Do you find him in the gazebo? gazebo. <laughs> I found him in the gazebo. There was a nice gazebo in that neighborhood that we'd <laughs> congregate to. I remember there was a lot of gazebos that summer, <laughs> but we, uh, I met up with one of those two guys, just followed him, and then. You know, a day or two later, kind of went out, got my own sale, or someone helped me, and then they figured it out. And then I just figured that I learned, like, hey, I can't just. I'm not here to have someone hold my hand the whole time. Mm. You know, I've I've got to figure this out, or it's I got to decide to, you know, push through or move on. And I didn't want to quit because I think the competitor in me wanted to prove that I could do this, and I was all in. And that that's the biggest thing with sales of anything is. You have to be mm-hmm. all in. You can't have one hand, you know, one foot on the boat, one on the dock, and mm-hmm. expect to just to figure it out like part time or 
you know, a lot of people sometimes in sales, like, oh, I'll just kind of do this as like a side gig. It's like, well, mm-hmm. unless you've cultivated it for years, really isn't going to work that way. So there's a lot of other sales jobs I've been tempted to try and do and I test the waters and I've always kind of reformed back to what I do because, you know, you have to be all in. If you're not all in, then your chance of success is so slim, if any. Mm. So that, that's why I learned learned from uh, experience with Jake is when I'm out there, I was all in, man. There was there was no retreating, going back home to mom or whatever. I just I was there. I drove all that way out there. Um, I was committed, and I just had to figure it out, and I did so. Right, and you and you did really well. You learned real fast. Um, yeah, you you were focused, driven. Um, you know, uh, I, I was super happy for you that you were able to, and you were really like the motivation for everybody else. Like Brett can mm-hmm. do this, right? Brett figured <laughs> it out really, really fast. Yeah. Right? Brett, for, for those of you guys who don't know, like some people thought maybe they would be intimidating and Brett, like, t- tell everybody how tall you are. Uh, six, seven, six, oh, seven. Pretty, so, pretty tall right. guy. So, you know, instead of making excuses, like, you know, if, if you open up a door, average height of, of a woman's about five, four, five, five, right? Mm-hmm. So you could use that as, oh, I couldn't sell anybody. I'm going to be so intimidating. Instead, you just use it to your strength. And that was a big thing that we taught is uh, use your, you know, if, if you look different or, you know, in whatever way, if you're, you know, if you're bigger boned, if you're more muscular, if you're taller, if you're shorter, just use it to your advantage, own it. And really just owning the situation because in your experience now, all shapes and sizes have been successful selling, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you, you learned a lot of things and there's sales tactics, you know, obviously body language is one of the first things I learned and how right. to stand and how to position myself. I'm a big guy. Yep. So Am I going right. to be right, right face to face with somebody? No, I'm going to stand at a distance and right. I'm just going to come across a way that's not threatening. So that's the biggest thing is you people, you know, they don't want to be threatened on their doorstep or however right. you approach them in life. So I had to learn body language is a big thing. And then just uh, listening skills, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of listening and just trying to figure out what, what the, the want was for the customer. And then I think the biggest thing that I learned is you know in sales the product can sell itself mm. it's who are they going to get it from you the, the the box store the commercial or another person knocking on their door so i just really learned to sell me and make it mm. to where i was approachable and easy to talk to and i could have a conversation and build you know this relationship you know and for those of certain missions, you know, the old BRT, like the relationship of the trust. And that's right. always what I'm doing now in sales is, you know, making, trying to make a friend. I think a quote was told to me one time, make a friend, make a sale. So I was just working on that all the time. And I think that's what is strove to my eventual success. And to now, like, you know, people, you know, they, they like me, so they'll get it from me. So Right. And so because people ultimately will buy like the stronger emotion and pull to buy is an emotional pull. Right. So one, these are kind of like the rules that I live by, because there's a lot of stuff out there that just have a product that you're selling that is good. Right. So first of all, align yourself with a system product service that is good. If you have the ability, pick one that's at the top of 
like one of the tops in the market, right? So one, align yourself there and then be authentic, right? If you like people, you tend to do better in these types of jobs because again, people buying off emotion because they like you. And then mm. in addition, you're providing something to them that's a good product and it's helping them and benefits them, right? So if you align those things, but the most important thing is being authentic because like you said, buying you, that's where it ties in there, right? They like you and they want to buy from you. You know, that's all emotionally tied. No, yeah, so when they, definitely correct. Okay. So when when they like you like that, when they when you come off as being genuine and you know sincere, do you think it's a lot harder for people to say no to you? Do you find it it's a lot harder for people to say no or come up with different objections to get rid of get rid of you? Yeah, I've, I've come to find out people really don't want to tell me no because they like mm-hmm. me, and so you know not every customer I sell, you know. You know, I've I've learned how to not be afraid to, you know, sell out of fear. No, you know, we got to get them installed right away. They're going to cancel. We don't get so I don't have those fear. I schedule out people sometimes weeks ahead, and they'll still go in. But I've had a few people. You know, I'll have it happen. You know, every month where someone will cancel the service or this install, and and they'll call the office. I'm like, yeah, why didn't they call me? You know, I'm like, what, what the heck? You know, like I take it personal. I thought we, you know, I thought I built a good rapport with them relationship, but I sometimes they realize like they, they don't want to tell me because they feel bad because they really Mm -hmm. liked me. They just, Mm -hmm. they bought because of me, but the emotion wears off and they're like, Oh, I don't know if I really want this, but I don't want to tell Brett. No. Cause gosh, I, maybe I liked him or he was a good guy. Um, you know, hopefully they're not like scared of me. Maybe Carol could be mad at them or something. Mm-hmm. And so they'll they'll go through a different channel to do it. And then I'll find out. And I'm like, sometimes they won't even want to talk to me, but sometimes they will and they'll apologize. But it you know, it, it is. I just tell people I don't get really mad. I say, you know what it is. If you don't want it, fine. That's fine. I'll give it to the next person. You're you're a nice person. I'm not mad. Just, you know, it's always good to be honest and be upfront and what you're doing. So Right. Right. And that actually is a very powerful being, being willing to walk away from an opportunity if something didn't feel right to you or for or whatever. Right. So that, that, again, that gives you all the power. Um, but you know, get, there, there's a lot of, you know, when you do, when you're in the door to door world, there's just so many things like a lot of people don't like to say it's like taboo in the, in the neighborhood to say, I bought something from a door to door salesman. People don't want to be ridiculed. Right. And so there's yeah. just, after you leave, cause you know, you know, the other neighbors, maybe their spouse, they weren't there when they talked to you, if they were there for the experience, they all would have bought. But the fact that they weren't there, it's just. They didn't see how good the one, how good the product was because you presented the product product in such a great way. But then after you leave, they don't know, right? Yeah. They go do some research. Yeah. And so there's just, there's just some obstacles in the way. Again, that the door-to-door sale is the hardest sale there is in the industry. If you Please. can do door-to-door, you can do any other type of sales. I've kind of pivoted out in some different industries and all my skills that I used, uh, you know, I, I, I use in it is far easier outside of that. So, because, you know, the breaking, literally that's like the tough, the toughest, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but you're like in the octagon when it comes to door to door sales and you get it a lot easier outside when you get warm leads and you get people coming to you or different products and services. Can I, can I, you know, I've done a lot of different things out there. So, you know, that, that's really the, that's the crucible of, uh, of selling is to be in that door to door space. So Brett, you could go do anything you want now, uh, any type of sales thing, you just need some time to learn it. It is a little tough yeah. to leave the baby that, you know, 
though yeah. because it's provided you so well and technically you're your own boss right yeah i just i i mean i've i worked my way up you know in the industry in the sense i've i've been the the managers or the and you know the branch managers i've, I've been vice president of sales i even worked my way up where i was president of sales of a company and yeah, I've done all the different things corporate wise for a bit, but I just mm-hmm. kind of referring back to what I do now because I I think I like it more, and it's just the flexibility and your own boss. But there's you know there's the risk comes with reward, but yeah, you know, there's always that there's always that inkling of interest to do a different industry, jump into something else, and obviously I travel. I'm in Las Vegas all the time for work because living in St. George, security is not a higher priority as is here, but. I haven't right. found anything in St. George that's going to obviously kind of match or equal, you know, the kind of success I have here. So mm-hmm. eventually there'll be a transition to something else. Just yeah. haven't had any luck finding it yet. So till then, like I'm, I'm grateful for the hand that feeds me and uh, keep going at it. Right. That's what's up. That's what's up, Brett. Yeah. What yeah. do you, do you guys know if there's any other industries that still go door to door, um, cold, uh, cold sales like that? Do you guys yeah. know about it? Solar, 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 solar does the, the same big, type of thing. Solar's yeah. the big one right now. Like it really? used to be when I was a security rep, everyone's like, "Oh, you're like the fourth or fifth security rep." Now it's probably like, "Oh, they're right away." They're solar. I was like, "No, like security." Like, yeah, oh, that's come, big. Come on, solar because solar is you know unless you're dropping fifty in a month like you, Brett. Solar's like the big money space for door to door right now, right? Yeah, it is. And I've I've sold some solar accounts and. I think the reason why I didn't transition to solar is you got to get both feet in. And there was always that fear. Like when I was doing solar, like, wow, it's a big, big sale, but man, like you really, it's a bigger investment. Oh man, this is like selling a house. It's going to take me a while to get paid. So those, those intricacies of intricacies of fear would pop out. Like, man, I, I need to go pop an alarm deal because I can get paid tomorrow. Or tomorrow, you know, I can get mm. a sale right away and get that, right. that gratification of, you know, worth my time or a solar it's, it's the process but as long as you get through the process you, you'll get paid and you get great um it's fine but yeah solar's the biggest one right now um and then you know there's still pest control is a big thing oh, um okay i don't don't see too much dish or cable guys anymore but that was a thing it probably still is like telecommunications. I my start yeah my very first year down in texas i did uh dish network that was the is first you, summer yeah. Yeah, to to uh, two thousand two. Oh, that was door to door. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So that was a big one, but I don't know. I don't see too much communication stuff anymore. I mean, you see some like cable companies will do that. Um, but past um roofing. I mean, that's more like storm mm. chasing. When you're chasing mm. where the storms are, and you're going trying to get the roof sold, like you know, when there's a tornadoes that go through Texas or hurricanes. Mm. But um. Yeah, the big one's solar. Solar is the big one, and then probably security, and then probably pest. Those yeah. are the ones I see. And water, you know, where I live in Las Vegas, and it might have been it ranked true in Phoenix, where the water quality is really horrible. It's the mm. water water treatment filtration people. They go door to door too. Oh, okay. mostly the new homeowners, but they'll go because they'll say, "Hey, you live in Las Vegas, and the worst quality of water in the world is here." You need to buy this, and it's a, it's a pro, you know, it's a big buy, it's a thousand dollar buy, mm-hmm. but the sense is to give you clear water, not hard water, clean water, soft water. So, water softener stuff is a big thing where I live oh, okay. for work. So, I remember, uh, I remember having the experience of uh, 
door-to-door salesman coming to our house in um in sparks selling a kirby vacuum you guys remember that <laughs> yeah we talked kirby. about that guy we talked about that guy earlier <laughs> yeah it wasn't him it wasn't, no, I was like, it wasn't I was David Paolo. P. It wasn't Paulo, bro. It was some some other <laughs> brother, man. But he came in. But that's how he got his start, though, huh? Was yeah. it? Mm. Yeah, he, he came from Kirby. Yeah, I came from oh. Kirby. One of the that's reasons fun. why he was good, man. That's a tough sale. Yeah, that's a tough sale. But you know what? It's funny because I was when I was a kid, someone came and knocked on our door, and I didn't realize they knocked on it, but they sold us a Kirby vacuum too. My mom <laughs> bought one, but she had. It's amazing machine, man. She's she's had that thing still to the day. She still has it and it works. Yeah. That first parents, that first year in mini. That first year in mini, you and Paula were like neck and neck, huh? With numbers. I wasn't. No, I man, when we were in Minneapolis, I was trying to figure it out. You know, you know how many sales I had when we were in Minneapolis? Because I got there late. I didn't get there till I did if I would have known better, I would have got there a lot earlier. I didn't really give me that tough of a job. But I, I only had eight sales when we left. So I had eight sales in six weeks. Oh, then we went to Fargo? And we went to Fargo. I, and then I then I figured it out. And then I, yeah. I blew up and had like 20 plus sales. And then, then we went to, we had to leave and go to Indiana. I was like, why are we mm. going to Indiana? This sucks. But then in Indiana, I threw down. Elkhart, baby. More, yeah, Elkhart, you know, Mishawaka, South Bend. And I threw down another 25 in a month. In August, I did 25 in August. I remember that. And I was... That's why I was like, dang, I could kind of pretty good at this job. Maybe I could do it. And he just took off from there, Brett. Now 16 years. Would you consider yourself a master of your craft? Would you would you consider yourself like that? Like what how many years does it take to become a master of something? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't I'm definitely not a master of my craft because there's probably higher volume guys that do more. But I I, I think the way I do my sale, like I've I've shifted. I don't go door to door to door. I, mm. I gear I gear towards the new homeowners mm. and then I get I get referrals and you know you know everyone's but I don't do the whole like door to door or go knock on someone else's door that had an alarm system and try to convince them to switch to take over I don't do those anymore I just focus clearly on new new homeowners because mm. they're they're in the buying mode they just bought a home they have good credit otherwise they couldn't get in a house though I've been surprised this year <laughs> some people getting homes and horrible too bad to their credit they don't have good credit but they get in somehow mm-hmm. but uh, those are the, the type of sales or customers i've geared towards um I've, I've found a lot of success in the last gosh five six years just doing it that way so i've set up i don't know thousands of thousands of accounts just in the last five years i just geared towards the new homeowners mm-hmm. and i just kind of found my my niche or my delivery or my pitch that i feel like it gravitates them pulls them in with interest and then, you know, let them decide from there. But I don't know here's, if I'm a master of my craft. <laughs> so here's how, here's how a new homeowner fails is because a lot of people just don't understand that the income and they buy two new cars and like immediately after they buy the house. Right. Yeah. So they accrue 120,000 or let's just say two forty thousand cars. So 80,000 in car debt. And then they accrue the 300,000, Four hundred thousand dollar house, right? So if they only ha- had like a ten thousand or twenty thousand dollar credit card before then, their debt to income skyrocketed. Now that'll drop like after six months, but that's how you, if you don't understand, if you if you don't keep expanding your credit limits over time, or if they're youngsters, right? That's how you take a seven hundred score down to like six ten, 
I don't know what uh, you need to qualify, but you can drop a hundred points that way. So, uh, you know, that's the, that's the not understanding how that, you know, and I, I don't necessarily think our credit system is the best, but it's, uh, but not understanding how it works and in play, that's how you drop your score real quick. Yeah. Hmm. So funny story. I, I had this lead that I'd saved, you know, I was just waiting for the new homer to get in waiting. Sometimes it's a chase. They finally move in. I'm like, Oh, great. And I'll give my pitch. They want the alarm. There's one in there already. Um, so forth, so forth. So I get in there and right when I walk in, just tons of boxes of, uh, the, um, love sack store. So I've bought a love sack couch before. They're not cheap. And, you know, I got suckered into it because all I wanted was the damn love sack. I didn't really want the couch that came with it. So I did it. <laughs> ended up selling that couch within a year because it just wasn't as comfortable. But anyways, so we'll get in there. This guy's got boxes of love sack couch, like just pieces. And I know what it is. I know what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, man, right away. I'm thinking he probably has like five, six thousand dollars couch right there. Because and I'm thinking, I hope he uh, hope he paid cash for those things. Going there, fails credit. Dang, brand new homeowner, military veteran. Going there, wife, wife barely fails credit. I'm like, dang, man, they just bought up a bunch of new furniture off credit. They mm-hmm. had no money for it. They probably dropped 10 grand and just a matter of a, days to a week. And that dropped their credit down dramatically, I'm sure, to where they barely didn't qualify. So that was frustrating. But right when I walked in, I saw the Love Sack couches. In the boxes, I was like, man, I hope they didn't finance those because <laughs> I knew <laughs> that was going to hurt their credit, and it did. So, so is has the scoring changed over the years? What qualifies? Yeah, yeah what's the score so, now? Yeah. So when we started, it was anything six hundred and above. When I started before that, for, some, probably, for lower. some companies were six twenty five. It just depended where they put their subprime at, but yeah. some some were. Cause we got paid less for the less than 625. Some of them we just had to have above 600. So wh- where is it at now? So some companies will still do 600. The company I worked for just last year around this time changed up their qualifications. So now they only will buy 625 or higher. So what we used to call a C credit, which was a 600 to 624, they no longer want. So these people who failed, over a year ago, they would have qualified, but they were, I think one was a 623 and the other one was a 609. Mm-hmm. So that's why they didn't crash. But with another company, they may have passed. They might have bought the account, but my company just doesn't want it. So that was like frustrating. You know, they're so close, but, you know, cigar kind of situation. And could just, you in-house? I could. It just, you know, whether the risk I want to take. And housing is still risky now. Yeah, it's not as risky as it used to be, but I have some in-house accounts that, man, they barely made it maybe 18 months to 24 months and they went bad. Mm. So I've, I've only had two in-house accounts in the last three years. I've made it full, full term, 36 months is month. So so it's still 36 months. And is it still around the same price point, like 40 ish? So we do 36 or you can do 60. I really just do 36 because I think I think 60 is too long, man. I think that's yeah. a long time. I'll yeah. do a I'll do them from time to time if someone is just adamant that they're they love it and they're gonna keep it forever. Um, but it's around the same price point, anywhere from like $39.99 to 
$82.99 now is what you can charge. The high. With so, video stuff? Yeah, with video, there's smart locks or thermostats. All cellular. Don't do landline systems. Don't do Wi-Fi systems. And I don't finance the equipment. Like some people do that and they make a lot of money doing that. I just do it the traditional way. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a fool for doing it that way, but I don't mind it. And people, I just want people to get their, their value, their dollar. Yeah. I'm still I'm still a believer that I want people to feel grateful and feel like they got value of the product they bought from me. I don't want to run into them at the grocery store and say that's the big tall dude that screwed me over. Right. You know, I, I made a conscious decision back in 2017 and even before then, but when I moved back to Las Vegas for a year, I was working in an area and then I decided to buy a home in the area that I sold in. So I could just roll out of bed, be right to work within a minute. And I could be on top of the competition and stay more organized. But I made that decision that I need to really do good business and do good by people because I'm going to run into these people at the grocery store. I'm going to run to them at the gym. I'm going to run to them everywhere. And I do. I go to the gym. I went to the gym this morning and there's three people there that work out there. Two of them are customers. One of them was a guy I just like was trying to sell, but they see me all the time. They kind of give me that look like that's the guy that sold me the alarm system. You know, I run to people at the grocery stores. I was took my little boy to to go get like a Slurpee or was eating like a Roberto's burrito gas station one day. And a lady walks up, says, hi, and there's some lady I sold an alarm system to a month ago. So I'm going to mm. see these people and I don't yeah. want it to be where they're just, they feel ill will towards me like I did them wrong. Mm. You know, right. that's, that's important to me. I want to feel good about what I do. It's not about just making a bunch of money and slamming it and running away. And I uh, just, you know, laugh in the banks. Like, Oh, I got one over on these people and I'll never mm-hmm. see them again. Like that's not the mentality I've, I've tried to have for the last decade or plus is just do good business. And they'll come yeah. back to you. That's right. what's up. That good energy, yeah. man. Good vibes, dude. Yeah. Those long ways. That's what's up. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a point too. sometimes, you know, when you sell product, people, aren't happy no matter what you do for them bend over mm-hmm. backwards and they'll say whatever you know I, I heard a phrase one time that says buyers are liars i don't know if i totally agree with that but i've met a few buyers that have told some things that aren't true just to get, get you know out of remorse to get out of the situation or the sale or the, the contract but um you know you just want to do good so people don't ever feel like they have to be in that situation or they're having to lie to get out of something because they felt like they were lied to. Right. I mean, you, you, you cover for that when you do good work, right. Yeah. And when you, yeah. when you, when you tell everybody, like everything that anybody needs to know up front, you, you're upfront with the information. Like mm-hmm. those are ways to prevent those, you know, in, in all the things that I've ever done, you know, I've been in sales for so many years now, but um, that that's all you've got to do. It's not a big deal unless you try and hide something. Right. And, yeah. you know, it, and you just got to be upfront with it and people appreciate that. And they'll actually like you more for being upfront for whatever, you know, for example, you know, you got to, let's say you got to ask for the social, right? And mm-hmm. if you're all nervous about asking about somebody's social, how else are we going to run somebody's credit? Right. So you just, yeah. it's, it's a normal situation. You've got to ask for it. It just is what it is right there. You know, in, in my industry now, you know, when we acquire a new customer, that's something that has to be done. The, you know, the mm-hmm. tax ID or, or the social. So it's just not something, you know, it, people will expect it, but if you're all nervous going up to it or you try and hide anything or 
not talk about anything for for one if they're shrewd they're going to pick up on the oddness of it too so it's, it's just always better to be authentic and honest and upfront and that that's how you build a customer base and that's how you build and that's how you get referrals you know people want to do business with people they trust and the way you earn trust is being honest and upfront with everything yeah i totally agree it just you know, I, I've I've had a lot of lessons learned in my job where when I'm not totally upfront or I try to sidestep or I don't mention something because I'm just trying to get away with it because I'm selling out of fear that they'll mm. tell me no, and it, it has come back to buy me a couple times. I mean, I think of a few memories where if I would just said the right thing or just told them up front, it would resolve the situation and they would have stayed a mm. customer. But I remember I was training a guy. I was in North Carolina. We were in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I was training a guy. Do you remember? Gosh, you remember that kid, Jake? His name was Brandon. I brought him out, and he was doing pretty good. But then he was being dishonest with people. Yeah. I caught him. He was a baseball player out of Virginia, but he's from California originally. So I think because that was the summer. We were in Fayetteville and Wilmington. But we were in Fayetteville, and I'm just trying to train him. And I remember selling – from Montronics and he had to charge activation like they wouldn't let us waive it and so I had to teach these kids where I hadn't, I hadn't charged an activation like the year before I didn't get I didn't have to I waived them all so I was like retraining myself and we're in this house with this older guy and he's interested very interested and asking buying questions and then to the point where well how much is it going to cost me to start and I was trying, well, you know, um, you know, it's just all these things I'm trying to sputter on. How am I going to drop this activation? And he, I remember he looked at me and he called me by name. He's like, Brett, how much, don't let money stand in the way of my happiness. How much is it going to cost to, to, to do this or add this product? So I told him it was six. Actually, you know what it was? Is he wanted an extra, a glass break. And I hadn't even dropped an activation. I needed to. So I used the, the, the equipment as the excuse to get the activation. And I was hesitant. He says, don't, don't let uh, money stand in the way of my happiness. I was like, okay, it's going to be $69. He's like, there you go. That's all I need to hear. I'll pay $69 for an extra glass break. Yeah. And People I appreciate and I, the honesty. Yeah. And he it covers the activation, even though that's what it was for. It wasn't for the glass break, but it just, it taught me a lesson. Like, dude, just, just tell people, just let it out. I mean, worst case, they tell you if you're afraid of getting no's, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna progress and succeed and not just sales, but just in life. You gotta mm. the no's are gonna come. It's just how you're gonna roll with it. So just be upfront, be honest. And it's it's a, like you said, Jake, it's just a better philosophy. It's a better way to do business and deal with people. Man, Fayetteville was a good market. We should have stayed. Even though it's nice to live yeah. in Wilmington, yeah, <laughs> and you know it's actually where I reside to this day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great place to live because we're right on the ocean. But man, Fayetteville yeah. was the market selling. Yeah, Fayetteville is probably one of the top tier markets I've ever sold in. Yep. But just gosh, to live there, I think that's probably a bigger reason why we left is just the grime. We were ready to just live somewhere else. Right. But yeah. Right. It was well, tough living well, there. Well, things a little different, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Wilmington's a great place. I, I met a, a young couple today, not young, but they just moved from Charlotte, North Carolina. They're military. And I'm trying to figure out how they're in Charlotte, but I said, oh man, Carolina, like I, I love North Carolina. I used to live in Wilmington and then I used to live in South Carolina. And so 
I, anytime someone's from the Carolinas, I always like to talk to them about it and relate with them and know where they're from because got to know where those got to know those two states pretty well, mm-hmm. all the towns mm-hmm. and cities in them. So, yeah, I was in I was in uh, if you remember Rayford in Hope Mills, I was there. Yeah, uh, I was there two days ago. Were you really? Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, part of the territory I cover right now. So but, uh, there you go. Yeah. It's, a pre- it's a pretty state. <laughs> I have yeah, I still I have Charleston, Columbia, all these places that I sold in, they're yeah. in the territory I have. So I have I have Charleston, I've Columbia and then up north through North Carolina, so Wilmington, um Jacksonville, if you remember Jacksonville. Yeah. Um that was where the one of the other the marine base was up there, right? Uh Camp Lejeune and north of there too so it's just it's fun to run around all our old stopping grounds and yeah. uh, like I'll, once in a while i'll drive past like a, a street that i knocked on <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey. Funny, i remember huh? i remember that because you know we're going back 15 years for the, those days i think when we were in north carolina 2011 that oh, was 2011 okay 2011 yeah so do you so, um, 12 years ago so there's a sidestep. Do you uh do you ever get any all these emails about uh drinking the water at Camp Lejeune and getting in the lawsuit? I get all these emails. I'm like, man, I don't even think I ever yeah. stepped foot in Camp Camp Lejeune. I was in Jacksonville, but I just drank from a drink of found, man. I never went to the, the military base, but I get all these emails because they somehow know that I was in Jacksonville multiple times in my life. Yep, <laughs> yep. So those funny. emails still get sent out. <laughs> oh, I got a ton of them right now. I'm like, geez. Uh, maybe I wish I did have it so I can get some money. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, those are good, good places, man. Columbia, oh, tell me, dude, that's that's unfortunately the armpit of South Carolina, man. That poor town. I spent a lot of time there working there too, and there's some good positives about Columbia. But oh man, that's that's one place I'd I'd rather live in Fayetteville than live in Columbia. Believe it or yeah, not. Col- Columbia made the top this year, made the, I believe it made the top 10 list for most dangerous places to live in the U S yeah, man. So yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a bit rough with, you know, some of the stuff going on, but I'm the, I'm there every month visiting. Um, yeah. I'm in Charleston every month too. So yeah, yeah big well, difference between Columbia and, and Charleston, the upside with, you know, Columbia has a ton of opportunity to improve. Yeah. Uh, they've, big college town too right so you yeah. have some you know really big fans there so there's some positivity uh oh, yeah. from that aspect and of course charleston's charleston you know charleston's just beautiful and it has a lot of history yeah. and yeah. um you know you're by the you're by the beach there it's got like an old town that a lot of people go to it's got a new side to it um the river kind of splits the city you know from mount pleasant down to the james island area in, in charleston <laughs> so it's all, yeah, also beautiful uh, yeah. did you ever did, did you ever work in myrtle beach i did man myrtle beach so yeah that's my territory too is it? yeah <laughs> yeah I so i'm sold, there every month as well sold a myrtle man i think the first time i went there i was trying to figure out where all the people live and it's tourism everywhere but yeah there's, it's there's a lot tourism there's a lot of neighborhoods there myrtle beach was good but it was it's funny it seemed like every time i went to myrtle beach was in the winter time it was always cold <laughs> so yeah. hmm. But yeah, I love that place, man. Love the driving up that 17 to Myrtle or Charleston, not pleasant. And it's funny, I took my my wife there over a year ago to visit so she could meet all these people and place why I loved it so much there. And she liked it. She really loved it. She, she actually loves Savannah more in Charleston. I don't know why, but she just the big thing that got her 
and she kept asking i was like are there gators over in that pond are there gators in that river and i was like problem and it just really made her uneasy i think it's because she's a mom there's she saw that video in at disneyland where the gator came up and took the kid from the pool and took him out and put him in, in the lake uh, i mean yeah, there's, really, ga that really there's gators here in wilmington like again oh yeah yeah just like right down the road <laughs> oh, really yeah. so yeah yeah there yeah. was one there they're they're a mind. little bit more they're not as like aggressive here just because there is it's like we don't really get that cold but we're um you know we're warm most of the year round but we do get a little colder than florida so you're gonna have different you know the growing season's not quite the same they're a little bit more i, I mean you don't want to play around but they're, you know, they're, in, they're in the well yeah they're in the cape fear river and you know they're, yeah. they're in the ponds that they can get they can get big in um some of the ponds that stay a little warmer but yeah there's not too much craziness with it, but yeah, I mean, it's just something when you start, once you come down to the South, it's something you got to be aware of. Yeah. So I'll, unfortunately I'll never be able to move back to Charleston because she knows there's gators there, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but I, I, I watched this video. I think it was yesterday. I, I sent you guys, especially you stuff. I sent you a lot of videos, but mm -hmm. I saw this one of, I was in Florida and these, these guys are golfing. And they just see these two come around, they come around the corner, see these two gators just going at it. Like, I've never seen anything like this. And the gators got one by the neck, and it's just trying to snap its neck. It's throwing wow. it around. And these golfers are like, oh, my gosh. You know, they, they video the whole thing. And the other gator eventually gets out of the hold and survives. They both just kind of walk off to the water. Mm. They were so you going could, at it. You could do, um, if you went to, like, Cape Hatteras, or Emerald Isle. I don't think they're up that far. So a little north of Jacksonville, and you'd be yeah. out of the Gator Range. Gator Range, yeah. 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 And down Charleston, they're just, I don't know. They're, there's big ones, little ones. I just, it's nothing I never had a fear about. I see them, I just leave them alone. But I yeah. had one, I, I owned a home in Somerville, Charleston area, and we had one, and we had a bunch of ponds in my neighborhood, and we had one in there, and I hear it at night barking. Mm -hmm. hear it at night but i never saw it but i knew it was in there but that's why you know i never you know i have signs that where i don't go swimming in the ponds because they ever take you never know when a gator is going to be in there so well it's because you know people that never had to think about that and like ju like jumping in rivers and lakes and you know had like people that went in like owl growing up and stuff like that where it's not something you ever have to worry about it's kind of like a mind you know, blows your mind that you might have a dinosaur, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, just outside in the pond. It, it is something I think that is a little bit of a, you know, my parents moved to about 20 minutes away from me um, about two years ago now. Mm -hmm. And it was just a lot of adjustment in the uh, th thought process there. It's just not something you ever would think, you know, we grew up swimming in the Thousand Island River uh, between Canada and, and New York, you know, in upstate New York. And it's just, you know, having to, 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 to mentally process that there is an animal that could easily take you. I, you know, yeah. a lot of people have a hard time with that. Yeah. So it is what it is. It just, it just makes me chuckle a little bit, but you know, not for anyone who's ever had to endure that. I feel bad for them, but I just, not a fear that I ever had living there, but mm. I'm trying to be sensitive towards my wife. So it just, yeah. that's yeah. just the, uh, just just a funny side note that that's why i'll probably never leave st george um just or at least not live in the south because of the gator situation <laughs> so
so outside of the selling, um, so what are your, your hobbies? You, you, you golf, you boat, like, what do you, what do you get into? Oh man, I wish I could golf. I never have time. Man. It's a, I grew mm. up golfing, but it's a very time consuming sport and kind of yeah. expensive, but, uh, man, just these days. Um, so I've, I've been remarried for two years. I went from zero kids. I had three dogs. And down to one to now I have six kids, six boys. And mm-hmm. one of my, my youngest son, I adopted and he's my son and I'm excited. It's a great, great thing in life, but I just, I really gear towards the kids now. Like, like I, I, when I was just single Brett mode or even, you know, my first marriage, I was all about um, like experiences, like going to concerts or sporting events or traveling. And I still mm-hmm. love those things, but, I've learned it just, they don't come as easily when you have children and you have to think of their needs and being there for them. So now it's, it's more geared. Like I, like I try to go to the gym two, three times a week. Not, it's not as much as I'd like to, but to, to maintain that health, that strength, like you're talking about earlier, Jake, the vitality of weightlifting is important. Um, but just doing sporting events, like I really fulfilled kind of like a lifelong goal or dream to like coach kids or coach my boys and things and so i've gotten to experience that in the last two years of i've coached football i've coached basketball coached seven on seven coached baseball which has become like my favorite thing to coach is baseball sport i know the least amount about technique wise i don't know how to teach baseball i'm learning on the fly but Mm -hmm. i just i love it so much fun i love seeing the kids find success not just my kids but other people's kids whether they're you know, get the strikeout or, you know, they hit the ball or catch the fly ball. So it's been fun just being with the kids and seeing them do things. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to take, we were gifted some baseball tickets to a game in Denver, which I had no intention of wanting to do because it's just a, a long way, but I didn't want to say no to the gift. It was an, it was a nice thing, you know, tickets and a hotel. So I took the opportunity and drove the three older boys from from Utah away to Denver and I uh, showed them kind of my old stopping grounds when I was a small child. I was born there and took them some, but we went to some baseball, some Rocky games, and then we went to a water park and just, it was just fun just spending time with them and just doing something they've never done. They've never been to Denver is the biggest city they've ever been to in their life. Like I don't think they've been there other than Salt Lake. And I, don't know, I guess I've been to San Diego, but they've never been to like a bigger metropolitan city like that. So it was kind of cool to show them around and uh, just experience something different, travel, you know, got a, a little taste of what I love to do is travel and share it with kids I love. And, and Stefan noticed you planted a seed in my head about some baseball tickets. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why would I want these baseball tickets in New York? And mm-hmm. then it just kept circling my mind. And all of a sudden I just, I wanted to do it so bad that you know, I took my oldest son who it was his 16th birthday. It worked out really well. And we went out there and just me and him, we flew to New York city for two days, went to the Yankee game, um, you know, showed him around Manhattan as much as I knew, you know, took him to central park, did the, um, the uh, empire state building, like all these kind of cool things, took him to like the Manhattan temple. And then, and it just worked out where I, I, um, I was up there when I saw you last. I was up there for you know our, my friend, our friend Jimmy Hartshorn's memorial, and mm-hmm. he, you know, coincident, not coincident, but by chance, was also was born in the Bronx of New York. 
And then I knew I was like, I'm going to the Bronx, so I'm gonna bring his little mini urn with me. And I left the New York and I made a little video and and I literally left his urn behind home plate at Yankee Stadium. So I thought it was kind of funny how in life how sometimes things work out like that. So I, yeah. I try to live I try to just live for experiences. That's what I love to do is experiences mm-hmm. and I love sharing it with people if I can not just flying solo in life i've done that plenty of times that's okay and that was great but i love just doing experiences even if it's stuff around like going to a park or going to like a some kind of event in saint george i like doing that kind of stuff more than i I do playing like the the golf or the weightlifting or you know how much of other hobbies other than you know just taking care of the kids and doing kind of gravitating towards what their needs are. I've learned. I'm learning still. That's what's up, Brett. Oh, Shout out some... to you, man, for no, doing for sure. that. Yeah. No, it's yeah. fun, man. I love it. It's, it's definitely challenges as they come, but I like it. Yeah, man. This life is full of experiences, man. I think yeah. we're here to gather experiences, right? For my yeah. our my perspective on things, uh, gather yeah. as much experience as we can. Yeah. And, uh, it helps, man. There's longevity in that. Having experiences with your kids, you know, your boys, they're gonna they're gonna remember this for, you know, as they grow up and they continue to grow up and share those times, you know, create how you're creating memories with them. They'll have the opportunity to create memories with families of their own down the line. So that's what's up. Yeah, I, I was listening to um, you know, a little like podcast blurb from some guy, and I've seen it, I've heard it a couple times from other people and Mm-hmm. You know, I've, so I have six boys, five of them are from my wife's first marriage. And then our, our youngest boy is from like a, just, just a fly by night marriage that should never happen, but you know, they conceived that a baby and his dad's not in his life at all. So I'm, I'm his dad, hundred percent. I'm there. He's he my name, adopted him. You know, the other five boys, they still have their dad in their life and that's good. He's, you know, that's a good relationship we have. And, and you know, they're there with him for the summer, but. Uh, the one thing I was hearing from this podcast was mm. they said, you know, that the years from when they're little till 10 are so important. Those are the, the years you don't really want to focus so much on work and you want to spend as much time with them because when they time they hit 12 or older, then they really don't, you know, you can work all your, your life and say, okay, now I've, I've built enough of a nest egg. I've worked hard that I can spend time with you. Well, now they're, they're teenagers and don't really want to spend as much time with you. They they're off doing their own thing. They they've got events. They they have hobbies like we talked about. They're doing you know music or sports or working. They have jobs. They have friends. They have girlfriends. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've I've really tried to focus that anytime I can have with you know my my boy. He's three now. Is just is everything to me because I want him to remember these moments. I don't, you know, it's tough when I'm away from him during the week, but like, we're going to go on a trip here in two, three weeks. And I'm so excited for that to spend that eight days with him, a lot of one-on-one time with him and build those memories. Cause those are what mm. he'll remember. Those are valuable. When he's a teenager, he's going to care less to be around me. Mm. Not as much. He's going to want to do his own thing. So that's what so that's, I'm, so I'm learning. Yeah, man, we're all still learning, right? We're all still yeah. learning, man. So it's just yeah. a long process. We're, it's part of this uh, earthly experience that we have right now. Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure, man. 
That's dope, dog. That's, shout out to you. Shout out to wifey and the boys. Shout out to all you guys. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Brett, because, um, you know, we're all entrepreneurs in our uh, on this podcast, man. All of us talking about doing hustles, you know, uh, side hustles, um, yeah. you know, information that helps change our lives, that can help change other people's lives. And and um, it's great for you to come on and share your entrepreneurial spirit and your, and your hustle, how you, you know, you pretty much taught yourself um, and you had help from people like Jake and others and on how to um you know what you're doing right now in, in the industry in the security industry or sales even yeah security i mean yeah a mm-hmm. lot of people have helped me along the way and like i i've tried to learn from everybody and, and take take from other people and make it my own mm-hmm. you know i don't feel like everything i say is 100 percent me or i came up with it i'm not the originator it's other people's information Mm-hmm. Um and things that their ideas and their thoughts I've kind of tried to make it my own and incorporate it all in one and that's been helpful so I'm grateful for all the people who've kind of been just um I don't know mentor me in ways whether they know or not so that's what's up hey what what kind of um you know we're all reading books and they say that you know if you read books it helps you on your cognitive you know how you think and how you uh how you progress, but they also say there's a direct correlation for how, how many, or a person that reads more books ha- tends to get, um, you know, have a higher, what is it? Um, income or they seem to be more well off for people that are well-versed in reading books or stuff. What, what kind of books, uh, are you reading right now? That's helping you along your, uh, in just any facet of life. What, what kind of books are you reading right now, brother? Man, I haven't picked up a lot of, like, I used to like to read, like, I have a volume of uh, John Maxwell books, mm-hmm. and I used to like to read those. I haven't, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't dug into them for quite a while, man. It may even be almost two years, not quite over two years, but I've really, you know, a lot of it's just been kind of learning about, for me, like, the personal side, because my personal life mm-hmm. has changed, and parenting. I've read a lot of stuff. I'm always reading, I'm trying to understand you know, how to be, a, you know, just not a good parent, but a good husband and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, spiritual side scriptures, you know, I read, you know, some following. I like, to, I like to listen to a podcast when I drive from St. George to Vegas mm-hmm. by this guy named, uh, he works for the church. Um, well, this church is Jared Halverson. And uh, he has a PhD in anti-Mormon literature. So mm. it's like a it's like a degree that was almost made up that he someone came up and he's probably one of the few people that have it. Mm-hmm. But and he went to ecclesiastic school in Vanderbilt and everything. But he basically his PhD is in learning when people have reasons to leave the church or have mm. things that are against the church. You know, he people sound that he's like the foremost expert. People will come to him and say, Hey, you need to talk to so and so, and he'll just listen them out. He's not there to like you know, psychologically get them. He just listens to them and kind of just kind of shares kind of a thought of reason. But I listen to him a lot because he breaks down scripture. So when I read it, I understand it better. Mm. Um, but that's a lot of stuff I read. But like, I, I love reading uh, Johnson. Is it Johnson? Yeah, Johnson Maxwell. See, that's how bad I am. I picked up his book in over a year plus. But I oh, like, reading, I like yeah. reading his stuff mm-hmm. a lot and understanding it. Um, I, for walk, a us while, back, walk us back when you were like figuring out the sales game still in the, you know, it's, it's, so 
if there's people listening that are still trying to find like their authentic self, but also learn how to walk through some of the customer interactions, what were your, some of your favorite authors or books for the, that helped you with sales? You mentioned Brian, Brian Tracy, Brian earlier. Tracy. Yeah. yeah I've, I've read Brian Tracy, uh, just, you know, probably only one Brian Tracy book, but a lot of the quotations and excerpts and things, um, Zig Ziglar, which, mm-hmm. you know, one of my, one of my small regrets in life. And cause I just, you know, was, you know, uneducated about salespeople was, we were in Minneapolis, all three of us, and that mm-hmm. Pro Alarm bought us those tickets to go to the Target Center and listen to this big sales conference. And I remember like the Bill Cosby speaking and, um, you know, Susie Orman spoke, you know, um, Colin Powell. But I remember it was lunchtime and we went and got, well, I think it was like Hooters. I'm like, I a horrible hot dog. And I came back and I said, oh, what did I miss? And the guy's like, oh, the only, the only thing you missed so far is the guy Zig Ziglar. And I was like, what? Like, whatever. Years later, forward back, I'm like, crap, I had a chance to listen to Zig Ziglar and I never was there to listen to him. He probably would have gave me some of the best knowledge and uh, he was dead mm-hmm. now. <laughs> but the one speaker that spoke out to me, his name, I think it was, his name was either, it was either, his last name was Hopkins. I don't know, it was John Hopkins, Tom, not John Hopkins, right. but Brian Hopkins. So he's like, the, the he was like the real estate like expert. He had the Guinness Book of World Record where he'd sold a, house every day for 365 days in a year he's the first person ever to do that supposedly mm-hmm. um i mean i don't suppose he probably did but um the one thing that he said that resonated to me and i still think about and i use as i it grew in my career and i would train people like for a while that's what i did i trained people all the time taught them is just how valuable no's are and i remember sitting there in that that target center and he just said, let's say, you know, your commission is $125. I was like, ka-ching, like, that's exactly what I get paid per sale right now. And so, like, my, I was more attentive. I was listening. And he, let's say, you know, that you get a no the first time you talk to somebody in your sales. And then you get another no. And you get another no. And then it takes you, you know, till your fifth person, you finally get that Yes. Like, well, each one of those knows, and you make your $125, which was what I would get paid to start as a new sales rep um, per sale um, back then. And, but it maybe he said each one of those knows is valuable. They're worth $25. Right. You needed those knows to get there. And I thought about that. That really resonated with me. And I was like, that is so true. And that kind of helped me overcome my fear of rejection. Um, not that, you know, I hadn't been told no before in life, knocking on doors and other phase of my life as a missionary, but I just, it was for the, the sales job, the game, and especially in security is the no's been just even more just like rushed right off me. I didn't care. I just would mm-hmm. run into the next house and I'd pitch and say, okay, fine. You don't run to the next house till I get that. Yes. And then eventually, you know, I had to, I didn't need as many no's to get yeses. Once my skill, my skill level rose. So, you know, my work ethic was there. Just my skill level was really low. And once mm-hmm. my skill level grew, it matched up parallelly with my work ethic. And then I just took off. Mm. So I think the, the credit I had, obviously I had a good work ethic, which you had to have if you're going to do direct sales. And then once you develop your skill level, then, you know, you can 
and the sky can be the limit at times. So that's what helped. I, I really remember his his speech, and that was the very first like salesperson that I really connected with, and it helped me. And I think I, a couple years later, I did find all his books and I, I read it, and it is interesting. A, a lot of it was kind of geared towards real estate, which I had interest in at the time, but mm-hmm. it was really good. It just it helped me a lot, but I, I definitely. My at my fault, I need to read more sales books. I I definitely do. It needs to be more priority. Because you're right, when you read things, it helps you. Um, Jake, you probably read what was the what was the, the book about this, this the author about the scrolls? Mm. Man, it was it man, not Mandingo, but it was another mm. good book that I read. Read my second year doing sales and it talked about these scrolls and mm. it's just kind of like a I don't know like a like a storyline with the sales but it, um, it was amazing like it helped open my mind and then it helped me spearhead to have a you know within a few weeks really figure out uh, how to be better sales rep because it helped me understand people better Ogmandino Ogmandino's book is one I on the scrolls recommend to anybody anybody who wants to be in sales mm. that was a great book and it's not a big thick read but um and i can't remember anything verbatim because it's been a decade since i read it but Ogmandino's book um was amazing great great sales book for was beginning in sales that's what's up thanks for sharing that brett yeah. nice right. man do you um when you're um like the equipment has it changed much um do you I, I see those ring doorbell things all over the place is that a is that something that's huge right now in the in the uh, industry in the marketplace right now yeah the DIY industry is kind of taking a big percentage or chunk of you know my business and so mm-hmm. if it comes to patterns ring is part of it I ironically we. My company, my dealer is one of the few that will actually sell ring cameras and follow them for mm. people. Um, we just have to explain that it's not going to be on the same interface as our platform, but they're just so popular that people want them. So we just use it as a platform to create business, to sell their their, their products, their, mm, their cool. camera products, not their mm. home alarm. But yeah, it's changed. Like um, no one really does the old traditional like phone line alarm. Remember when we, it was either landline or cellular? Mm-hmm. And everyone want to sell lane length. It was cheaper and easier to sell. And the commission was the same. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Everything's cellular now. Everything you can control from your phone, like anything in life. Everything has an app. The alarms all are app-based. You can control it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even pull up the camera views on the keypad now. Like it's a little monitor if you want. You can see what's going on. And then you can just do full automation. You can have your garage hooked up to it you can open shut your garage your thermostats control your heating and air and with mm. door locks water you know drip i mean there's your lights you can do everything now home automation obviously it's been kind of the thing now for the last decade almost so that's been around but yeah the diy companies the simply safes the rings the nests the that's mm. there's so many of them now the wises the the blink <laughs> the Ufies. So there, there's so mm. many. Um, and, you know, it's just, it just kind of makes it a little bit more of a 
a challenge at times, but yes, two gigs still around. That's what I sell. Two gigs still there. Okay, okay. So I'm pushing two gig. That's my baby right there. But it's all about educating people. You educate people enough, then they're they're willing to listen to you and hopefully go with your product or what you sell. So it's it's a lot of educating sometimes. I mean, there's always the just lay down like, yeah, sounds good to me. Let's just do it. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, wish life was just just this easy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but right. they're far and few between in anything in life, right? Mm. Well, there's not many very many lay downs. It's kind of like, you know, it's, you can go on a date with, you know, you're single and you're going to date with so many girls and you, you find the lay down where she's just like, just down to just be like not apprehensive or, you know, have fun or like, yeah, let's make out, you know, things like that. You're like, whoa, I wish all girls were like this. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyways. Excuse me? Maybe not the, maybe uh, not the best, best example. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know, man. I just, yeah, anyways. Yo, um, but yeah. Yeah. It's incredible that uh, Vegas is just skyrocketing skyrocketing with homes and houses that they're just building all over the place aren't they yeah so three million three million people now in las vegas wow and it's the the interesting thing is vegas which shocked me is now a sports town we we just won our stanley cup right and and it's from our team that was homegrown here in vegas and Mm -hmm. it's everyone's a golden knights fan it's awesome you know i'm a golden knights fan i got um my keychain thing is golden knights you know and it's just uh it's awesome to see in the city and obviously there's raiders fans and now the mm-hmm. a's may come here the, the WNBA team won a championship here mm-hmm. um so it's, it's kind of cool to see that vegas has transformed a bit into like a real kind of city where it's not just all about the you know what happened yeah. in vegas stays in vegas right 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 like Vegas's new, you know, coming out of the pandemic, their new slogan they've had is Vegas means business. That's mm. kind of been their, their campaign slogan since 2020, 21, or they've tried to transition from the old Vegas saying. Rebranding. Rebranding and what they, they say and mm-hmm. how they market the city. So, well, but, you- uh, yeah. All the tech companies or no, all the tech conferences, every freaking conference you can think of holds their, their meetings down in Vegas. Yeah. Like meeting, meeting space is a big thing. Like mm-hmm. the one thing, like I, I dated someone for a bit and you know, friends and they, they worked for the uh, Las Vegas visitor authority. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot about what they did. And a lot of it is what also was um just tourism and how it worked in Vegas mm-hmm. and, you know, Vegas didn't make their money by people coming over and gambling on the weekends from California or just, you know, or even gambling in general. They make their money from uh, the conventions. That's 60% of the business in Las Vegas is these conventions. Because during the week, they fill mm. the rooms. Conventions mm. are mid, they're midweek. They're not weekend things. Mm, so when you're at true. a convention, you're, you're working. <laughs> so if you're here for work and your weekends, you can go back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big conventions are, they're all over and they bring up so much business and take up so much rooms and it's all hospitality. It's not just the the gambling, it's the, the food, it's the, the, you know, the purchasing of things, the rooms, the, the big deal. 
So yeah, you're right. Every convention tech companies like Adobe used to hold their, their year end party in Vegas. And they'd probably at that party, they probably have almost hundred thousand people come to town that week because mm-hmm. of the Adobe Christmas party. What be chapping what be chapping my my heart is that the homes down there are a lot cheaper than the homes up here up north here in Reno. That's wild to me. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I deal with new homes, so mm-hmm. I'm always able to see the prices. Right. I can see every price of every home that I sell. And it's mm-hmm. amazing how like I went to a house today and it sold last in two thousand and nineteen for four hundred thousand and it just sold for seven hundred thousand. Damn. So it's three hundred thousand dollar jump in four years. Unbelievable. See, this, um, this is the problem though, is like part of that value is artificial, right? And yeah, because right? Because Jeez. imagine like it's it's not very many people that can afford 400,000, let alone 700,000. Right. And so you can't price out the middle class. Like that's what's happening right now. We'll see what happens with the market. Right. But, um, you know, real estate values, when you compare to how much income has gone up, it's, you know, typically for people to be able to afford a home, the amount of income they make has to equate to home value right otherwise you know i'll give you an example the first home that my parents bought was fifteen thousand. so and their income was about double that right so not making that much but just giving you perception now if you're making six figures you're 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 pretty high up because the median income i don't know what it is in vegas vegas but it's still around fifty thousand, right Mm-hmm. So, houses aren't twenty five thousand anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, that's tough. You know, that's something we've talked about before too. It's just, you know, that that that's really hard on on middle class. But you know, you know, you're seeing people, of course, afford it o- over there. But you know, that's a rare echelon of people that's able to afford a house like that. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed when I meet people. You know, my first home I bought was in Las Vegas, and I bought after the crash. So homes were pretty cheap. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, perfect timing. I was just lucked out. No one still wanted to loan me any money because I never owned a home. So no one, I was a risk still. But I bought my first home. I bought it in Southwest Las Vegas. I bought it for 120000 The bank would only give me 125000 They said, that's your limit. We. Can. I remember I found a house for 140000 I wanted it. It, it great looked great. It was about eighteen, nineteen hundred square feet. Bank wouldn't give me one hundred forty thousand. So nope, no way. I'm not going to give you that's too much. You've never owned a home before. You're one hundred percent commission. Not going to do it. So I looked great. So what's my limit? They said one twenty five. So I found a house for one twenty, little gay neighborhood, and it was a pretty, it was a nice home. It wasn't destroyed from a lot of these people who had for. It was a foreclosure, but it wasn't destroyed. But I bought it and. Three years before that, it sold for three hundred six thousand. Right, and uh, it's fourteen hundred square feet. I was just my jaw just dropped. Like how you know, I just was new to the whole housing game, so I didn't really understand why, you know. But it, hey, it dropped in my favor, great. And now I look at that house. I sold that home three years later, and I made a little bit of money on it, and use it for the next house, and so on, and so on. But I looked up that house several times since, and that house is back up to well, it's now. Well over three hundred forty-five thousand dollars. 
mm-hmm. more than what the initial, you know, the, the high point was. And I just, in my mind, can never wrap my ever pay three hundred forty-five thousand dollars for that house, knowing that I at one time owned it for a lot less. And I think my first mortgage, I, I paid only eight hundred fifty dollars a month. And back then, though, I didn't make a lot of money in the summer sales, so I was just living summer to summer. So I was trying to budget and. That to me, that was a lot. Now I'm thinking, like, gosh, if I had an $850 mortgage, are you kidding me? Mm. <laughs> life would be wonder. Life would be wonderful. So, right. So I mean, that's more than rent. I mean, rent. You can't rent a home for. Can't rent a room for $850 a month. Mm-hmm. So it's just amazing how things change. But you're right, Jake. It's just it's a lot of false equity, and it'll crash eventually. I don't think it'll ever crash to what it was. In, Oh, set like oh eight oh nine, but mm. it's it's gonna happen. Some people are mm. seeing it. There's some people are losing equity in their homes. I mean, look at cars right now. Cars were super over expensive. Now they're they're jump, dropping back down, and people are finding out they bought these cars hundred thousand dollars on a truck. That it's not even close to hundred thousand dollars worth a year later. Right? Yeah, dude. I went to the car dealership the other day, and I test drove this Dodge Ram thirty five hundred. It's the mm-hmm. extra long bed. That truck was $120,000. I was like, what the heck? It didn't even look like a hundred. You know, a G Wagon, that's $120,000. Mercedes Benz G Wagon, that's $120,000. This truck, I mean, it was super nice, brand new 2023. But man, $120,000? What the heck? Wow. It's just, it's amazing that the, the, equity that people are putting in these vehicles and they're mm. you know valuing them out where yeah. you just you realize like is it really worth that much is it really worth paying that much for a piece of metal that drives me around or i can get another piece of metal that drives me around that maybe it's not as glamzy and nice mm. but, it does, but it does the same thing <laughs> and i'm paying a lot less so it's just it's hard for me to want to spend that much money i sold my truck Mm-hmm. And I I babied it and I didn't put a lot of miles on it, but I sold it for just probably a little bit, probably about ten thousand dollars less from what I bought it for brand new three and a half well, years before. Well, you had one of those trucks that wasn't in the tundra. Yeah, the tundra. I, had a, I bought a nineteen tundra, brand new. Yeah, but it was like a reward to me in life and present because mm-hmm. I kind of overcome some things and find success. And I bought it, got a good deal on it because. It's uh, worked out. So I bought it brand new. I bought it brand new for about 50,000, 0% interest, mm. you know, put some money down on it. So I just, I didn't have an interest payment. So I just was like, this is good. I'm just paying for what, what I bought. Mm-hmm. And so I put on, I put on probably about 38,000 miles and I decided to sell it. Cause you know, we, we've been remodeling our backyard in St. George and we're putting in a swimming pool. And I looked at the interest rate for swimming pool loans. And I just, my jaw dropped. I was like, I'm not paying 8% interest. Are you kidding me? So I, I, I made the conscious decision as a sacrifice. I said, you know what? I love this truck. It's great. And I own barely, like hardly anything on it, but I need the cash and I don't want to take a loan out. So I sold it to a dealership. They gave me $40,000 cash for it. Well, those trucks are in high demand. Yeah. That, that was t- amazing. Yeah. Had, those- that, was a nice, that was amazing. It was a nice truck, but I just, I had only, I basically just, you know, got everything back for about ten thousand dollars, and I had it for over three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so, the value in in buying a brand that holds value. Like, yeah. 
Toyota does, like the Tundras and the Tacomas, yep. specifically the Tundras, though. Yeah. But 100%. It, and, and, the, and the way you can check against this is when you are researching, look, look at the three-year-old th three models and see what they sell for. And look what the sales were, if yeah. you can, over the past year. And you'll just know, you know, there's, there's ways to mitigate a cost. If you think you're going to flip on a car, you may need equity, you know, later mm -hmm. for pools or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, make, make, make good choices to cars that don't depreciate the moment you drive them off uh, where you have the ability to flip on it later. You know, that's how you make good decisions. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. That's yeah, so, one of those cars, so, bro. Toyota. Yes. Toyota is just a great company. So short story. Mm -hmm. So I had this truck and I had this hybrid and this hybrid actually was a lemon and almost returned it. And they gave me a bunch of money to keep it. And, you know, it was, so I had this Hyundai hybrid and the last year just things are happening and eventually the hybrid battery went out on it. Well, 175,000 miles on the car and they want $6,000 for a new hybrid battery. I'm like, man, I just can't do it. So I let the car go. I pretty much sold the pick and pull for like 500 bucks. It was kind of sad as a working engine just on a hybrid battery so i'm thinking man i just don't want to spend this kind of money in cars hundred thousand dollars for a truck you know eighty thousand you know fifty five thousand dollars for a basic car i just can't wrap my mind around it so i just started looking around like you know i got some cash in the bank let me just see if i can find something to just get me back and forth so i find this kid in hurricane selling this car that he bought from a lady ironically from in las vegas in the area that i sell and like I knew the street that he bought this car from it was funny because I saw the title and he sold it to me for like, he wanted like 5,300. I talked him down to like 4,700 because I, I saw that he needed new tires, but it only had 62,000 miles on it. It was a 2002 Camry. 62. So I was like, hey, that's not a lot of months. Cars are 20 years old. Yeah. So I, I go ahead and do it, make some, you know, get some new, had the original tires, still so put some new tires on it pretty shortly and, had something wrong with the axle boot, so I got that fixed. But I'm driving that car now back and forth. I own it outright, and it's 20 plus year old car, and it just runs like awesome. And it's just a testimony to Toyota. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I was gonna give it to my oldest son because he turned 16, and then I felt I kind of negated it. I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> He's like, why? I was like, because dude, this car runs great <laughs> and it does its job. And it's not flashy, but it, this thing's going to run for a long time. And I don't want to buy a new car because I just don't want to pay that much money overpay. I'm waiting, waiting for car values to drop, kind of like people are waiting for house values to drop. I'm waiting mm -hmm. for car values to drop if I ever buy a car again anytime soon. But it just, it's a testament, like you said, Jake, certain companies, they just hold their value. Toyota is one of them. Toyota is an amazing, amazing company. Like I'd highly recommend anybody if you buy a vehicle, Toyota is one that's going to last. Yeah. That, that's a pro Anyways. tip right there, y'all. Pro tip right there. That's a little plug for Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a sponsorship from them now. Come on. Right. All right. All right. Pick it up. Them and Synergy Kombucha. Raw <laughs> Organic Synergy Kombucha. Welcome. I love this so, stuff, man. Have you ever had kombucha before, Brett? I think I had it once. Man. I met a met a met a Russian girl one time. She was all high on it and telling me I should try it. 
but uh, I did. Bro, it's good. It's good, but never, never kind of took a liking to it. I guess. Yeah, it kind of tastes like vinegar. Does it? Or something like uh, along those lines. But man, um, you know, y'all know I have the problem with the G Funk at times. But um, I drank this drink. I was getting the tingling sensation when you when you have the uh the G Funk come up up in the uh, up in the uh body parts uh toes you know fingers ankles and i drank a kombucha and the next day i felt fine like there was nothing i felt no no achy soreness no um um health condition but um yeah, dude. To be clear, this, the G funk means gout, gout for everybody yes. else out there. Everyone <laughs> who already knew what I was talking about, yeah, y'all know. I was getting that gout sensation in my foot, and I drank a bottle of this Synergy kombucha, and the next day it felt like I felt normal, man. Normally, it would have that sensation escalate, but it didn't, bro. It, I felt fine the next. That's day. wild. Yeah, cool, I don't huh? know if it was the kombucha did, or mine. Did you just find the cure? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But this thing says, not the, I'm doing a plug or anything. This isn't like a paid plug, but it says, these things, it's it's interesting. It says, renew, rebalance, rebuild, reclaim, rekindle, recharge. And then it says on here, nine, rekindle. nine billion living probiotics. I don't even know what probiotics means, but it says nine billion of those things in this bottle got bacteria stuff is it okay yeah so it's healthy yes uh, healthy so how bacteria. much how much did you drink did you drink the whole bottle or half the bottle before you felt good the next day like give us some some the details on that so this bottle is 16 flowing ounces right american u.s flowing ounces um i just drank one bottle and the next day i, I the, that tingling sensation in my foot went away okay it was kind the of odd. And, got you yeah, the whole bottle, whole bottle, 16 ounces. And then I, you know, drank water and stuff. But usually I would have to, like, creep up the stairs the next day. Um, but nothing, man. It was kind of interesting. Wow. But, nice. yeah. Nice, Again, man. we are not health professionals at all. I'm just saying yeah. that's from my experience recently within this. Oh. <laughs> I, might, I might have to try that, man. I don't, I don't have the G-Funk, but yeah, the and, older man, but the joints start getting joints. stiffer and yeah. Maybe the joint, this will help my joints, man, because I'll admit, man, my legs, I get tighter and tighter around the knees and the hips, so yeah, man, might be a good thing, getting, good thing to get Getting old now, man, you're getting old. Getting old, getting old <laughs> the, uh, the recovery is a thing, bro. That's, that's a, that is a real thing, y'all. Recovery from anything, going to the grocery store, <laughs> yeah. playing pickleball or whatever, man. It's yeah. Huge. I remember... I would, you know, when you're younger, you idolize all these athletes mm. and they talk about, you know, the wear and tear they put in their body. And so I use like basketball players, for example, they always limit their minutes. Mm. And they talk about how many minutes they've played in their career. And I'm thinking, you know, they're young, you know, you just, you gut it out. You're an athlete. You go out there. Why do you guys sit? And as I'm now at this age, I look at like the minutes, the so much that they play, you know, and again, I'm just using basketball. It can be football, it can be rugby, it can be baseball, hockey. Mm -hmm. But the minutes they play, it adds up and it wears your body down. Mm -hmm. So they've played a lot of minutes or a lot of time, mm -hmm. whether, you know, it was a physical collision or just it never, never ever happened. It's just 
the time that they put on those joints, it, it wears them down and it affects them down the road. You know, and that's why like these older basketball players right now, they just not because they're getting older, it's just they put so many minutes on their body, not just as professionals, but as kids, teenagers, college. It's eventually it's just it's worn it down. Your your joints don't last forever. They age and then mm. they, they just the 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 minutes and the time you put into them, it, it can wear them down quicker. Not only that, but like just even playing college ball, but can you imagine the high level of competition that's going on at a professional level? Yeah. They're exerting their bodies like 100%, maybe over 100. Maybe that threshold that Jake was talking about, the V5, the V2s, they're doing that like consistently and constantly, you know, during those minutes, yeah. the short amount of sp- sprints or whatever. But 10x that, man. So when they go to yeah. recover, man. Yeah, it's, it's you know, so it, yeah. I I I kind of understand it a lot better now, and, mm-hmm. and see you know the, the wear and tear they put, and why now more guys arrest, and you know it's not so much that like you know they can't man it up, it's just there's a lot on the line, a lot at stake. You know, if you're a professional athlete, you know you're mm-hmm. making lots of money or good amounts of money for doing what you do, and you want to last as long as possible, and so you want your body and your health and you want to keep making as much, so you want to play longer. So you got to take care of yourself, and sometimes it's just reduction, it's self control, or I don't know. There's all these different reasons you can say, but it's it, I've just learned a lot. I looked at Kobe Bryant, and mm. I read how many minutes he put, and you know Jake can relate to this. I mean, I and it's not you know trying to be funny, but I remember when Jake tore his Achilles tendon, you know, we we're out the sales, and he, he you know tore it playing basketball. And Kobe, Kobe mm. had the same same thing, and Kobe had played a lot of minutes. And for Jake, it was just whatever circumstances or what it happened. And I wasn't there, but I remember obviously hearing about it and this this the, the severity of it that you had to go through. I remember no one wanted to play basketball for three or four days because everyone just said that like, oh, I don't want that to happen to me, kind of mentality. But just the recovery time that you had to go through, I'm sure. Like I obviously haven't experienced that or understand it but like i can't imagine i so i have bone spurs on my feet mm. and i went to a podiatrist finally and i don't have the best feet they're, they're bad but uh he said hey so basically i gotta get rid of this i gotta remove your achilles tendon shave it down and reattach it so it's pretty much like getting achilles surgery and i'm like i looked i'm like i don't want to do that and he's like, it's three months recovery. And he's like, you probably should do both. So we'll do one at a time. Mm-hmm. I was like, so six months of my life? I was like, no, no, why don't we just do both of them? Well, anyway, so I'm just looking at look at my wife. She's like, you need to get this done eventually. And I was like, well, let's wait a while. Luckily, we discovered these amazing shoes. Another plug, Hoka shoes. Life-changing. Mm-hmm. Selling all my Jordans. Don't wear them anymore. Wearing Hoka's because now... I feel no pain in my feet and I don't feel like I need to get Achilles mm. surgery, but mm. going back to what Jake had to go through is just that your body, man, it just whether, whatever wear and tear or whatever happens, like it's, it's susceptible to, you know, finally, you know, falling apart or things change. And so like for you, Jake, when you went through that, I mean, what was like the, what was the recovery process? What was the work you had to put in just to get back to even, or even, even, to be able to get back to the way you once felt, like confidence. Uh, 
no, I, ne- I never got back. Um, I was able to kind of push it hard. Uh, I was in the best shape of my life, probably 24. Right. So by 30, like, and it went, we hooped a lot when I was younger. And so that's what caused it was at 30, I wasn't in quite as good shape in my mind, trying to make my body do something. I was crossing, I was crossing somebody over and, you know, I crossed over hard and, you know, and my Achilles just couldn't keep up. Right. So, you know, so that's what happened is it snapped now a little different from Kobe's mine snapped completely. It tore completely. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't walk on it after, you know, Kobe mm-hmm. was able to walk off the court. Um, that was kind of the difference with mine. So the recovery was bad. I didn't feel back to normal for three years after that wow. because, uh, it healed probably in about less than a year, but the walking my foot still would, my heel would swell. And so I'd had bad swelling for, for, uh, for about three years. And then finally after three years, it stopped swelling, yeah. but I can, I, I still feel it. I never got my vertical back. I would jumped off my left foot. I never, you know, I went from maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I in, in my heyday, I could about 30 inch vertical, nothing to, nothing to, be too crazy i could grab rim at 511 right so i could jump pretty decent for you know for my uh genetics and uh yeah. when we, coming back from that you know i lost my whole jump my jump shot was off everything was off there it took me a long time to get back in shape so by 38 i was in really really good shape i had done keto for a year i'd been weight training since 32 hardcore so for six years um i was kind of in the best shape of my life um, and got to that point, but I, but my basketball never came back. So, and unfortunately I had another tear toward my abdomen, which um, I'm kind of coming back from, but yeah, I had an oh. abdomen tear at 38 that kind of knocked me off my diet. And unfortunately I let it slip and didn't keep up with some things because uh, I had a, you know, that was a tough one to recover from too. Oh. Um, but that one came from me really pushing my limits. I love the weight train. I love to train hard. I love to push the limits and I love to lift heavy. I didn't focus enough on recovery. So if I could redo it again, I could probably recover faster knowing what I know about recovery, um, knowing what I know about how important sleep is because I didn't sleep most of my thirties the way I should have. Um, even though I was training hard, but you know, I was just working hard trying to, you know, improve my work situation and trying to get promoted and all those types of things. And so I would redo things a little differently, you know, if I could go back knowing, knowing what I know now. Right. But it's still like, I could still, if I stretch, I can still feel the difference between that that leg and the right leg. Um, And Mm -hmm. I never got my explosiveness back to, you know, ever um, on that, even though I got in good shape. So you know, it's just mm. something I don't recommend you do if you don't have to do. If you can find shoes that take <laughs> yeah. away your bone spurs. And that's one thing I'll tell you. I was dealing with bone spurs quite a bit, even when I was in great shape. So if you can find a way to not aggravate them and work around them, uh, you know, that's awesome. But mine went away without any surgery, too. So oh, when when they're wow. so when they're so prone to like jump into surgery, there's just other ways to get around it. For me, I just wasn't, you know, I, I kind of figured out I wasn't sleeping enough. I was working two jobs. Um, I was working out hard. I wasn't wearing the right shoes um, at the right times. You know, I had a bunch of different, I was like loving, and I still wear, I can wear chucks now without them hurting, but chucks were causing the problem. You know, I'd go deadlift or rack pull like some, 
crazy weight and be putting a lot of pressure on my legs all the time. And I was doing 30 minutes of cardio after, and you know, I, I could have chosen and like getting like four hours of sleep at night. So there's just like a stacking, a lot of things against me. Um, so I started kind of taking care of myself recovery wise a little better mm -hmm. after that. And, um, you know, mine were able to go away. So keep, keep that up, right? Because I don't recommend going through now, maybe that Achilles surgery is better now than it was, but part of it is I tore it pretty bad. Part of that reason was, so if they are unhooking it and hooking the back, maybe that surgery is better, but, uh, I, I don't recommend you go through that. <laughs> yeah. yeah bro. Three months recovery is too long. I, there's a guy in my ward, he did something with his feet, but he was in a wheelchair for a while and I was like, I don't want to do that. So anyways, I was wearing orthotics that they gave me. I was even wearing mm -hmm. like an ankle brace. Hey, it was like you, I was wearing poor decision shoes I was wearing. I was just wearing the same kind of work shoes, these Nike Air Maxes and the bubbles were starting to get low and popping. I was still wearing them because they're just my work shoes. I was a creature of habit. I wanted to wear the same ones because whether it's superstition or not, I don't know, whatever you know sales guys getting those mentalities of things they they like but it might my, my left especially my left foot would just swell like you said it would my achilles would swell my heel would just be so tender all the time mm. I would, i'd have to rest it for a day or so before i you know it'd go back even though i was driving was you know put it near like the brakes the gas i could just feel it so anyways like for christmas i got these hokas and they look like grandpa disneyland shoes just a total joke I know my wife, I know she got them, they got them at Dick's, they're on sale. And I was like, I'm not wearing these ever. She's like, just, just try them. Like maybe they'll help your feet. And within a week, I just start seeing a difference and mm -hmm. weeks went by and I'm like, I started feeling less pain and now I don't feel any pain. I was just rubbing it right now as you're talking about. That's awesome. And it's not tender at all. Like I can rub it and push it. I don't feel any tenderness at all. And shout out to your just, wifey. <laughs> yeah. So I just wore these shoes every day, like for work. And now they've gotten so dirty and disgusting that for Father's Day, she got me another pair. So I'm wearing mm -hmm. a brand new pair now. And I just the same feeling. So yeah, I'll just plug for Hoka shoes, man, for anyone with wow. problems. Great shoes to wear. Like at this point, I don't care about style, it's about comfort, being happy. So yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of your feet, oh, people. Take care of your yeah, feet, man. Real. That's important. Man, this is, we have, what, how long, man, this is about two hours now. Um, we, um, thank you, Brett, for coming on, for your impromptu showing up here and talking with us. You're welcome on here anytime, bro. You, you're a natural born encourager. One of our brothers from another mother. We've known you for several years and appreciate your friendship and just, you know, coming on here, sharing a little bit of your experience, um, You've always been someone that I've known has worked super hard, super honest. You're always you're, you're salt of the earth type of people, and that's who we want around us um, when we're going through life. We want people like you. And just thank you, man. Thank you for everything you do. I appreciate your friendship and everything that you shared with us today. Do you guys have anything else you want to share? And we can just wrap this up um, just to to finish out the the rest of this podcast anything else you want to say brett or jake oh um, no thanks for inviting me man thanks for i know chewed your guys ear off probably talked a lot but no nah. um appreciate the you know let me hop on and definitely i love to hop on another other times other broadcasts you know podcasts you guys have and just uh learn 
learn. It's good to be around a wealth of knowledge as you get older. Mm-hmm. That's the good thing. You know, you're around older people, so you have more experience and knowledge to draw from and learn from from other mm-hmm. people. So that's that's a great thing. Yeah, we yeah. got to lift each other up, man. At at this point, you know, all the valuable experience we have, and you know, and I realized that's one of the most important things. You know, I love that you kind of you you were able to find like you love sharing experiences more with other people, specifically your boys, versus just kind of going on your own. And that's kind of like the the, the point of the brotherhood. And we try and encourage that, right? It's mm-hmm. it's so important to have those brothers around you that you can rely on, that you can bounce ideas off, and then you guys can you know we can all lift each other up together as well and find more success, both financially um in, in our friendships and spiritually as well so you know we're trying to we're trying to elevate together and so that you know that's the message out there for us and for everybody else so yeah much much appreciate your words of wisdom and your friendship and i can't wait till we get a chance to get back together around the bowl soon hmm. yeah, fun, man 100%. Good. good times with both you guys a lot of memories on both sides so we're good so many memories. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, thank you again, guys. Uh, thank you, Jake and Brett, for being on this episode. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Good night, everyone. Okay. Good night.